What's up, literary slummers? It's me, M, from the future. Well, the episode's future. Y'all's past. Um, I had a little, I had a little oopsie, guys. I, I goofed it up just a little bit. I kind of deleted my half of the episode. And I was able to repair some of it, but some of it's just gone forever, and it's never coming back. So what we did is we reconstructed it as best we could, and then where I think I know what I said, I went back and recorded the thing that I said a month ago, maybe. There's just a couple of times where I just have absolutely no clue what the thing was that I said. So I either had to just cut it entirely, so there might be a couple times where Anna seems to be responding to a thing that wasn't said. Um, that's not her fault. That's because I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up real bad, you guys. And then there's a couple times where I, I just am gonna interrupt and let you guys know that that's what the situation is. Um, so cool. That's it, guys. I'll talk to you later in this episode. Enjoy! Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to a Morph Monday episode of Hate Read, and don't you forget about me, even if the Elemist comes and erases your memory of me oh, from you after no. you get pregnant with our child. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> so sad. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm Anna. Oh, man. Yeah, this week on Shuffleware, we are reading, discussing The Andalite Chronicles by K.A. Applegate, a not spinoff, but not companion not a spin-off. Companion, yeah, a companion novel. Yes. Uh, that was originally supposed to go way earlier in the series, but that doesn't make any sense. So we read it now. Does not. And also, I'm very confused. About the publication of this book, because I read on Wikipedia when I was checking the publication dates, although I tried Mm -hmm. to stay off of that page because it has spoilers on it, but like this book was written in three parts, but apparently originally it was sold as three separate books. Oh, so maybe the pertinent information was later on. Maybe, but I couldn't find any further publication data for that. Like it seemed like they were all published at the same time and I couldn't find like any bind ups or like. I guess bind downs where it was the three separated. So I don't know. (laughs) Is that a technical like industry term? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But I couldn't find them as three separate books. So I don't know if that's just someone on Wikipedia talking shit. Maybe let's see if we search the name of the section. Elf Bangor's Journey. Yeah, it looks like you can buy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Guess I didn't research very hard, huh? (laughs) It's okay. I forgive you. So maybe if that got published, if the third part got published after. The first one was November 97. The third one was November 97. Okay, okay, never mind. Still. Oh, actually. Okay. So the second one was October 97. So these might have been a month apart. But still, they were all 97. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Book, I think we're in 1998 for the publishing year at this point. I don't know. Anyway, confusing. Confusing. But confusing the book silly. itself. 
The book itself is very good, I thought. I feel like the the Chronicles, we've kind of alluded to this in the last episode, but the Chronicles kind of really dive into the grittier parts that the you know, the teenage bandolites kind of gloss over in their misadventures. Because we are, when we first start this story, um, Elfangor is the same age, or assumably around the same age that Axis, because they are at the same level in the military of andalite military whatever but maybe for andalites that's that's older than it would be for humans i don't know but they go through the time matrix thing and then they do the other thing yeah they don't actually like there's like i don't know what i was gonna say about this (laughs) but yeah i do think i do think that this one reads it's just it's just more serious and it has a lot more at stake here than the normal Animorphs books do. So maybe it was maybe that's why it's not part of the main series. Maybe K.A. Applegate feels like she can get away with a little bit more because it's not going to be like all of her readers are going to stumble upon this book, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of feels like one of those like extended universe type things where it's very much assuming that you already are a pretty big fan, right? Like kind of like the Star Wars EU like you aren't going to read a Star Wars novel if you aren't already a fan of Star Wars, right? Like, most right. likely. I'm sure there's some somebody out there who's like, I love the Star Wars books, but I've never seen the movies. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> I would like to meet that person. I would person. love to meet that person and have in-depth <laughs> talk with them. But I'm sure that exists. But that's how yeah. this feels, right? Where it's like, there's the the animorphs readers who might pick up a book or two at their local book fair but then there's the real fans who have read andalite chronicles right 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 like this feels like the sort of thing that really obnoxious toxic 10 year olds are going to quiz each other on right yeah yeah have you even read elfangor's journey read elfangor's journey because like (laughs) fake animorphs fans you are such a rachel god i'd be like thank you Thank you, Jake. <laughs> All right, so this is the first time that I just absolutely have no idea what the thing was that I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you, Anna, for being so supportive of whatever it was that I was saying. Yeah, yeah. And I I think this, because I remember owning a copy of the Andalite Chronicles, mm-hmm. but I did get it at Classic Book Fair. So I think I must have only had one part of it. Maybe. Or maybe they, like, did a reprinting and then yeah. still, like, after it became popular. I don't know. I don't know. I have no recollection of what – I like, when reading it, I had no idea what was going to happen in it. So, obviously, yeah. I love that book. But, <laughs> like, at the time, <laughs> I'm, like – I yeah, like I said, I'm really just liking the twists and turns that K.A. Applegate is pulling in this series because I feel like we, we assume we know where it's going. And so a lot of times we're right, but then sometimes she's just, like, Tobias – had an andalite dad <laughs> you're told like, me book one that that was happening i would have never believed I would have been you like, but no the groundwork was there yeah they had a connection from book one and then in this book when it's revealed like what happened in that moment when they were talking alone together you guys oh oh uh, this book we gotta get into the plot yeah this plot is lengthy it is my plot synopsis of this is almost the length of my regular notes for shelf aware i'll do my best but so (laughs) this book is from elfanger's point of view in the moments before he dies to that monster that viscer 3 created to eat him in the first book 
So we start off, Elfangor is but a lowly heiress, which is what Axe is when we meet Axe. He's just, she's just a cadet. Um, and this takes place before Axe is even born. One day, he and his fellow heiress, Arbrin, boy, these Andalites love their vowels, are called to meet with the captain of their ship. They are being allowed to go on a mission to board an alien ship belonging to a race called the Skritna. The Skritna are fucking terrifying sounding. I don't really, they're like, they're like the world's worst version of butterflies. (laughs) Because they're actually, like when they go through this metamorphosis process, they're like two completely different types of things. They're actually like two different races. The Skrit look like huge insects, almost as large as an andalite. They have 14 legs and six sets of antennae, and aren't really very intelligent. But the Skrit each eventually weave a cocoon, and a year later, out of the dead Skrit, there pops a gnaw. <laughs> so that sentence. <laughs> That's a very good sentence. <laughs> anyway, the gnaw are a different type of bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they walk like humans do. And they are, like, really obsessed with collecting, which is probably why I like them, because me. (laughs) They're just the hoarders of the galaxy. They don't care what it is. They just want to collect every type of it. Listen, I don't have 200 dice, okay? It's actually more like 250. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, They're going on the alien ship that belongs to the Skritna, and that was... They're, they're floating around by Earth. They saw this alien, two alien spaceships leaving Earth in a suspicious manner. Um, one of them jumps into zero space before they can catch up with it. But this other one is kind of like dawdling, I guess. Uh, and basically, Elfangor and Arborin are the two smallest Andalites on the ship. So they're the only ones that can fit inside this other alien spacecraft. So they get on board. It's revealed that the Skritna have taken a couple of humans hostage, a girl named Lauren, and a boy named, are you ready? Chapman. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I've got to talk about Chapman for just a second. I know we, we got to talk about Chapman. About, but I do want to talk about Chapman. Because in mm-hmm. the second book of this series, I think it's the yeah. second one, the Rachel POV, we are made to sympathize with him because Chapman has become a controller in order to save his wife and daughter or just the daughter. I think it's just the daughter from also becoming a Yerk. But in this book, Chapman is the biggest asshole in the entire galaxy. He's very eager to negotiate with the Yerks, misunderstanding that they do not really negotiate. Right. He was just the worst. This like this going back to like a few books ago where we talked about like sometimes humans can be the bad guys this is this is that instance i also think like he so many of the things chapman does just makes everything very bad in this book. i mean we can kind of assume that he's probably like 16 or so at this point so yeah he's not like a full adult and capable of making good decisions but he still is also trash yeah yeah anyway Elfangor and arborin are then tasked to escort the humans back to Earth with the help of disgraced Prince Alarin, who, if you remember from the Hork-Bajir Chronicles... He's the one who did the genocide. Yeah. (laughs) Is the one who came up with the idea to deploy the virus that was going to wipe out all the Hork-Bajir. 
And also, if you've been reading really close, you know something else very important about Aloran, but I'm going to save that later for the drama of it all, so <laughs> hold your horses. <laughs> I was annoyed at myself because I could not remember specifically where I remembered Aloran from, so I did Google it, and I could have had the fun of like having forgot that going on that journey, reveal, but yeah, I didn't. That's all right. I mean, I it's kind of obvious, like, yeah, guys the only other hint I mentioned in this book but shh pretend like you don't know (laughs) (laughs) so they're heading back to earth uh which I guess it takes a really long time even though they're in our galaxy they're chilling out by like Saturn or something the way they do Z space it just takes a long time to get back to earth uh so it's taking a long time and Arborin is hacking away at some information he pulled from the Skritna ship and he discovers that the Skritna have stumbled upon a very powerful weapon called the Time Matrix, a weapon created by our friends, the Elemists. Mm. I also, real mm-hmm. quick, by which I mean probably a 20-minute discussion, <laughs> want to discuss um, the whole thing with Aloran being a scientist, Arborin right? Arborin being scientist. What did I say? Aloran. Mm. Oh, oops. It's fine. They're all vowel. It's like, why? you know, consonants are okay to start words with. Andalites. <laughs> I think also part of it is that I definitely read Arborin as like Arbon for mm. like the entire book, which isn't his name, but it's fine. <laughs> so I'm wondering if the inclusion of male Andalites who are specifically scientists is indicating kind of a shift in gender politics in the Andalite society. Mm-hmm. Where like pre-war, which if this is the case, kudos to K.A. Applegate, but pre-war, they have a division of labor in which Men are warriors, women are, well, I say men and women, but males are warriors, females are uh, scientists and mm-hmm. artists, which is what Aldrea says in Hork Bajir Chronicles, which takes place prior to this. Yes, but right? was written after, published after. But was, Who knows when it was right. Written, which makes me think that it what this whole thing was intentional, because it would be weird to the do it. The other way around. Yeah. Unintentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but at this point, we see these warriors who are all men having to learn to do science things and take over, like, women's work, although they don't call it that. Mm-hmm. But, like, in this book, they're all really dismissive of, like, sciences and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if it's, like, this whole societal, like, attitude shift because they are now at war. Yeah. Whereas, like, where now, like, oh, we're at war, that's the important thing is fighting and whatever, and now we're starting to, like, diminish the importance of sciences and the, and by doing so, like, diminish the role of women in this society. And I don't know if that's ever going to play out. I kind of think it won't because I don't think we're going to see any female Andalites. Ever. But, like... <laughs> Yeah, well, it are, I mean, there is a part where, like, Elfangor is like, oh, Arburn is really good at doing computer stuff, and Arburn is, like, a little offended by that. And Elfangor yes. is like, what, you are? I mean, I'm not going to lie about the right. fact that you are. But, like, the fact that he even started doing the computer stuff is probably, I don't know. Like, they want they want these more well-rounded, peace-seeking Andalites now, as opposed to like the old guard who was Aloran, who was very much like cutthroat, bloodthirsty. I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you have a society in which the women and men have specific mm-hmm. roles, which as we've seen in Hork Fajir Chronicles, Andalite society is heavily gender segregated in terms of jobs. So if that's the case, and then something happens that means the men start taking over the women's roles as well as their mm-hmm. own that's going to automatically diminish the women in that yeah. society, right? Like, women are going to be seen as less mm-hmm. important. 
And again, I don't think this is ever going to actually play out. <laughs> But I would be really interested to get a, a book from a female Andalite's perspective during this whole, like, 50-year span and see how this is affecting their culture. Because, yeah. Which, because that's an interesting thing to say, to say that, like, when we have wars going on, the cultural effects are not limited to specifically the lives of the soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, Axe doesn't really seem very shy about talking about like computer and science stuff. So I guess that's more evidence that like Yeah, which points towards the men taking yeah. on that role as well. Yeah, so they have this weapon created by the illness. Back to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh Alan immediately decides that they have to track down the second Skritna ship that got away from them and take the humans with them. Like there's no time to stop at Earth. There's also no time to like tell anybody and that they need backup or whatever they're just gonna go after this second ship because the time matrix in the hands of the yerks would be not like they're afraid that the yerks are gonna go back in time and just wipe out the andalites which like considering the fact that the andalites are like let's go back in time and wipe out the yerks i'm like well (laughs) i also really question if the yerks would actually do that considering the andalites are the only reason they got off true yeah they didn't really think so like they would be pretty fucking stupid yeah yeah which they're yerks and they are kind of stupid so maybe they would i mean they would probably use it to go back in time and win a lot of battles and stuff and be more prepared or like like, go back in time and make the ged evolve into like very stupid but an easily controlled but also like super buff monkeys (laughs) so buff (laughs) uh so they follow the skritna to the taxon home planet which is already conquered by the yerks at this point they are going through the process of making all taxons into controllers so the three andalites leave the humans behind on their andalite ship sneakily take over a yerk ship and they acquire some taxon morphs and they head down to the planet and once on the planet, they morph into their taxon morphs, but they were not prepared for how disgusting taxons are, and neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> this is so disgusting to me. The taxons are cannibals, <laughs> and they are always ravenously hungry. They think of nothing but this dark hunger that Elfangor called it. They are so hungry. That when a fellow taxon is injured, there is, like, a feeding frenzy, like, piranhas, a very stereotypical scene of piranhas, like, eating something and then just leaving a skeleton behind. That is what happens (laughs) immediately when they land on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta give it to this book, you know? I don't think we're ever really gonna get an in-depth dive into the taxon's inner lives in the way we have with some of the other aliens in this series, like the Hork-Bajir and the Andalites and the Yerks, because, frankly, they are terrible. But this book did a pretty good job of portraying them as empathetically as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are very few explanations that you could give to why a society would collectively decide to give up total control of their own bodies to an alien species in order to eat more and kill more that don't make that society look terrible. But if I was a being consumed by hunger at all times, I would be okay with someone else being in charge. Like, quite frankly. Like, uh, cause that would be miserable, yeah. right? Like if someone, if someone else was a offering oh, absolutely. me food yeah. and b offering me like an override so that like, maybe I didn't feel as like insatiable. I mean, I don't even know if that would be how it would work. Like, I feel like the taxons might still be hungry, but like, so. 
Yeah. Well, they talk about how sometimes the Yerks, right. like, they, the Yerks can't even resist the but hunger. But, like, if They're I was like so, like, eating, hungry but... that I was not in control of, like, what I did, I would be okay with someone else yeah. being in control for a bit. Mm-hmm. Because that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if your hunger mm-hmm. is, if that's your only concern, and these people are like, hey, let us in your brain, right. we'll make sure you're fed. Which the Yerks do live up to that promise. Like, we'll make sure you're fed. We'll even get you new meat from new types of creatures. Yeah. Man. This was I'd be like, okay. I see nothing wrong with this. I all I do is eat. You're yeah. gonna make sure like, I eat. Okay. Is horrific <laughs> from the perspective of an Andalite becoming a taxon. Or human. Reading or about human. an Andalite becoming a taxon. <laughs> Reading <laughs> about like, an Andalite becoming a taxon. It, it is the closest, I think. <laughs> I could get to sympathizing with the taxons, right? Because I'm like, that that does suck. And yeah. I understand why the ones that made the choice to go with the Yerks made mm-hmm. that choice. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it is revealed that there are taxons who are like, uh, mm-hmm. they have, there's like a resistance movement against the Yerks. But they're just like, we just want to be able to choose what to eat. <laughs> so like their cause isn't, isn't even like that strong. <laughs> This is kind of like a situation like they have with the Ged, where the Ged were more or less okay with the Yerks, or like didn't have the capacity yeah. to argue against it, right? Like the Yerks kind of lifted them up, I guess, in a really weird, twisted way. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I think, which again, I think leads into the question of like, is there a way for the Yerks to inhabit a body which is not theirs without being inherently wrong That's or cooperative? <laughs> the, the original being is like, all right, I'll get Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. You, Yerk, can have Tuesday, Thursdays, and we'll alternate weekends. I feel like there's got to be some sort of like, I don't know, this is getting into serious theories and it's not really even particular to this book. And I think I've talked about it before, but I just feel like there's got to be some way for the Yerks to occupy a body and get the things that they want to need ethically. Like there has to be like a race of or a species of alien out there that is able to have two thoughts. Still keep their own mind. Yeah, like yeah. the psychic frog dudes were pretty close to that. Yeah, but they they were they had enough mind to be like we cannot let the Yurks be psychic. <laughs> yeah. They had a lot going so, on. As but parents. they were also like if you bite my brain we it should. will grow back. <laughs> The lyrics are kind of cool. Maybe we should get back to them. <laughs> Maybe the Animorph should have just become. I mean, it would be a, a trade up for Tobias, I think. It's Psychic Frog is probably better than Hawk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this feeding frenzy occurs immediately after all the three Andalites become taxons. And Alfanger, 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 <laughs> the great struggle, is able to resist the urge to feast. Upon the fallen taxon. But he does lose track of Arborin and Alorin because I guess all taxons look alike. So he is basically ambushed by a Hork-Bajir controller who introduces himself as Subvisor 7. And he's like, Taxon, why don't you eat this meat? I will, I will arrest you. And basically, Subvisor 7 has sussed out that Elfangor is actually... An Andalite, disguised as a taxon. Uh, and so he's taken as a prisoner to be fed to some other taxons, which definitely happens and is definitely disgusting. Uh, but as he's being eaten, he is able to demorph 
And as we know, that gets rid of all his wounds. And then he morphs back into a, a kafit, which is a bird from the Andalite homeworld that was referenced a few books ago, where like it's a morph that Visser 3 recently used that shakes up Axe, because Axe is like, there's only one place he could have gotten that from, and that's on the Andalite homeworld. But we learned some information. That's like a big... We talked about how it was a big leap for Axe to be like, there are traitors on the Andalite homeworld because I see Visser 3 with a morph that only belongs on the Andalite homeworld. Because Alfangor is like, in order to get your morphing license, you have to, like, most people choose to take this morph as one of their first morphs. So, like, I think he Homeboy just also had it. says of this morph that, like, there's a different one that they have to take for their license and then they just yeah, yeah it's like that and little squirrel thing do a from bird the for funsies, but they don't do a lot of other morphs because they're not encouraged to do like they shouldn't have fun then they shouldn't morphing, morph which is also another instance of the andalites just yeah. being the absolute fucking tits uh they're they do just sound just worst. really like buzzkills don't yeah, they? yeah I, like... I don't know it seems it seems like like you said, it, it likely that Alaran just had that morph already. It's per yeah, an Andalite having a morph that is native to the Andalite homeworld does not scream it does traitor. To I me, will or say perhaps we could make the no, but see this would this would need for Axe to know all of Alaran's backstory because I suppose Alaran, yeah, morphing technology was new in Hork-Bajir Chronicles. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, he didn't have that. Maybe he didn't he have it at that point. I don't think. Light home world, so it could still be an indication that Visser three as Al- oh, it's a big spoiler because um, we said we weren't going to talk about. The- yeah, Alaran's Visser three. Guys. <laughs> no, um, uh, <laughs> you've ruined the drama of it all. <laughs> uh, Alaran could theoretically have that could be a tell if Alaran hasn't been back to the Animorphs home or the Andalites home world. Yeah. Like, I guess some, a lot of Alaran's background would be public information. I would assume much in the way that like he, he was a, he was a war prince and then he was a disgraced prince. So like, I feel like there would be a lot of biological biographical information about that. But then, I mean, I Guess Axe could have looked it up on his wiki if it's got like a list of his known morphs. Yeah, the <laughs> Principedia that they. <laughs> I like that. Um. <laughs> anyway, Alfangor turns into this turns into this bird and he flies away, but he's not safe yet. The Yerks have noticed the Andalite ship, I guess, just floating around the planet, and they've brought it down to the surface, and they take Lauren and Chapman as hostage. And a Chapman is immediately like, I can take you to a planet full of things like me that you might want to become, because he's garbage boy. So they're, I guess, talking about this, and Elfangor thought speeches to Lauren. He's like, don't say anything about the Time Matrix to the Yerks. Even though Chapman has the same knowledge as you and could easily spill the beans, but whatever. Um, I'm going to try and save you and we'll get the hell out of here. So Alfangor flies toward the Skritna ship that they followed here originally. And because he wants to go find the Time Matrix still. And he is reunited with Arbrin, who is sadly in horrifically trapped in a taxon morph. This was the worst. I feel so bad for him. Um, They... 
successfully steal the ship and the time matrix. And Arborin is like, we need to use the time matrix to make everything right. And Elfangor is like, no, I don't want to mess with the timeline because then the Elemis will be mad at me. And Arborin is like, the Elemis are a fairy tale. And Elfangor is like, no, really. And so then Arborin is just like, okay, well then kill me because I don't want to be a taxon for forever. This, this existence is terrible. I'm always hungry. I cannot live this way. And he kind of like, he tricks Elfangor into almost shooting him. Thankfully, Elfangor misses, but they do crash the ship and Elfangor is knocked unconscious. And he wakes up alone and he assumes that um, Arborin has been t- captured by Taxons and probably eaten or something. So he finds the time matrix in the wreckage, grabs it and drives away in a yellow Mustang convertible that the Skritna have smuggled off Earth. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> This was very Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I You can just imagine they have like that, probably like, I don't know, when did Vietnam happen? I'm too stupid. The 70s? Uh, Yeah, 60s, 70s, I think. Because this is 21 years before Animorphs proper. So yeah, been, so they would have like yeah. that, that same soundtrack, probably. Like, oh, <laughs> I've hooked on a feeling. Elfangor drives for a while in the mountains until he drives into a ditch, where he is once again reunited with Arbrin, who reveals that he was taken in by the Taxon Resistance Movement, and that he, as an Andalite turned into a Taxon, has enough knowledge about the Yerks and everything going on there that he's going to lead the assault, even though it's pretty much a suicide mission. And he's basically like, this having a reason to live as a Taxon is better than... I guess being dead. So thank you for not killing me. Um, but also I'm going to go probably die. <laughs> so like, whatever. Uh, Man. I just, I, it's, it's so tragic. Like this is a dude that Elfangor is like, we never really got along. I didn't, re- I thought this guy was super annoying and did not like him at all. Even though I kind of think Arborin did consider them friends. Yeah. Arborin was like, Elfangor and I are tight, man. Elfangor was like, like Arborin is like good-naturedly <laughs> messing with Elfangor a lot, but Elfangor is just really, really bad at picking up even the simplest of jokes. Yeah, even even Andalite jokes. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> what happened there? Arborin just thinks they have a good-natured rivalry over stuff, but Elfangor's like, Arborin is foolish and doesn't lack the mo- or lacks motivation. And I will be a hero, war hero Elfangor. I was going to say, the fact that Arborin didn't stick Elfangor's head in a toilet was like props to Elfangor, or to props to Arborin. And then also, I guess, like, Elfangor does have a bit in common with his son, huh? They're both just huge fucking nerds who need to have their heads stuck in a toilet. Nerd alert. <laughs> Don't stick people's heads in toilets, guys. It's, oh. it's very mean. Uh, Elfangor follows. The year, or no, Alfangor follows the taxons into battle in his Mustang convertible so he can rescue the humans and get the Andalite ship back, and then they fuck off back into space. But during the chaos, as they're fighting the Yerks, Alarin shows up again in his Hork Bajir morph. I guess he, he had one from when he was on Hork Bajir planet. And they fight, fight, fight. They make their way back onto the ship with the humans. And as they're leaving the atmosphere, Alarin is like, all right, I'm going to aim these guns at the year pools to kill all these goddamn slugs. And you're going to be the one to pull the trigger, Alfangor. There was like a whole thing earlier where 
Alaron was like, let's jettison these yerks out into space so they die. And Elfang was like, no, we cannot because we are peaceful people. And Alaron was like, ah, goddamn youth. But so now he's like kind of trying to get not like revenge, but kind of revenge for that. And Elfanger is like, again, no, we cannot kill innocent yerks. That is not our way. And they have a scuffle and Elfangor knocks Alaron unconscious. Turns out to be a super bad idea because Chapman and Lauren are actually both Yerks. And the Yerk inside Chapman's brain infests Alarin's brain, and Alarin is the abomination, the only Andalite to be taken over by a Yerk. And it is it is Elfangor's fault. <laughs> like, there's no sugarcoating that. Like, I know that Elemis No, I know later in the book, the like it's kind of rationalized like no you're right we are supposed to be a peaceful people and blah 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 but nah nah <laughs> i think the issue isn't so much whether or not Elfangor should have built blown up the the yerk pools because i think honestly i side with him mm. Like, you should never target what are essentially civilians, even if that would ultimately be better for the war. So I don't blame him for that. But I think the issue here is, did you not think that the evil aliens who are infesting people's brains might have, you know, I know, yeah, yeah. Brains? You don't know your enemies at all. <laughs> and you know Chapman's a weasel who was like, please infest me. <laughs> so... Uh, the infesting happens. There's some words exchanged. Uh, but Elfanger basically jettisons Alaran slash Subvisor 7 from the Andalite ship. Um, and they head into zero space where they can't be tracked. Chapman, being normal human Chapman, is still extremely annoying. So he gets tied up. And then Elfangor waits for Lauren's Yerk to die of starvation. And then they, they just hang out in zero space yeah. for a while. Because they don't really know what to do. They know that as soon as they exit zero space... The Yerks have probably put, like, some sort of tracking device on their ship, so they'll be there, and they don't really have a plan for what to do. So they're just chilling. I think this, again, points to how this book really does not make sense in regards to publication order, because kind of on the flip side of things being spoiled, I think if I did not know that Tobias is Elfangor's son... I would find the fact that, spoiler alert, Elfangor and Lauren end up together at the end of this book kind of out of left field. But because we read them in the order we did, I had my shipping goggles on, and I think it really worked. They were extremely subtle in this book, though. Yeah, like, if you didn't if you didn't know, you'd be like, um... Okay, they hugged once. The <laughs> There's a lot of downtime that we off book. He's, like, so enamored with her from the very beginning. Whereas he's like, Chapman is terrible. Lauren, I love her blonde hair. (laughs) He's very Ariel with the Prince Eric statue. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them use their mouths. (laughs) But then he does see her eating with her human mouth and he's like, oh God, no, that is disgusting. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Now watch me poop out my back. (laughs) What's a mouth and why does it? What's the word? Chew. (laughs) They come out of zero space eventually, finally, near uh, Elfangor's big Andalite ship where he was chilling at the beginning. But they're pursued by the Yerks, like we knew they would be. And there's also, like, some living asteroids that are just eating up all the spaceships. 
Did not understand this part. Didn't did not care, care, really. <laughs> Basically, things are real <laughs> shitty. Uh, this was definitely the part of the book that dragged the most. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool, like, cool, cool, move on. I don't on. care. Just let's use the time matrix. <laughs> like, we know what's happening now. Time Every- travel now. Time travel, time, travel, travel. now. Uh, time. Now. <laughs> so they do. Uh, Anytime these book series, like, teases that there's going to be time travel, I'm just like... <laughs> Sorry, a rip sounds dumb, but I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, go back and pet a dinosaur. <laughs> but don't get to keep the dinosaur morph. Yes, yes, it all makes sense. <laughs> it's a Megamorphs book. <laughs> Doesn't count. <laughs> Only uh, barely canonical, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just has the same characters in it, and they sometimes <laughs> vaguely reference the events. <laughs> but uh subvisor seven's been promoted to visor 32 and he's there he gets on their ship and they're all dying but they use the time matrix um but the problem with the time matrix is like it takes the idea of whoever is touching it and uses that to like move you through time so if you're thinking real hard about a place you'll go there the problem is Elfangor and Visser 32 and Lauren are all touching it at the same time. And so they create this weird grotesque universe that is an amalgamation of the Andalite, Yerk, and human homeworlds. I have to say, this seems irresponsible, right? Yes. Because, like, the Time Matrix was created by the Elemists, who are, like, constantly being referenced as these great minds. And for this to be this big piece of technology that they constructed that, like, could destroy all of space and time, and it requires just absolutely no verification or even, like, training to operate. Yeah, just touch it. They made it too easy. (laughs) They should have at least had, like, answer my time riddles three. (laughs) Right. Or just, I don't know, make it so it's genetically locked so only an Elemist can use it. <laughs> yeah, <I> do. <laughs> Already be able to travel through time to use the time editor. <laughs> you are you are not subscribed to Adobe Time Matrix, so you cannot use it. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, so this this like this section is like a whole huge chunk of the book. But essentially Lauren and Elfanger wander around this world trying to find the time matrix before Visser 32 does so they can leave this place and then they find it <laughs> and they leave Visser 32 for dead I guess he like shows up and they're like no and he's like okay and then they just <laughs> leave him there I was like kind of checked out at this point I was like I just I want the human stuff because <laughs> like if they go through the time thing it will destroy the place where they're yeah. at or it'll, like yeah. I don't know why I'm bothering to explain this. It super doesn't matter. It, didn't, it doesn't Lauren, make sense, really. <laughs> Lauren and, and Elfangor are the ones touching it and controlling it. Lauren is specifically, so they get to go to wherever they're trying to go to. And Visser 32 just gets, like, pooped back out to where he was. So <laughs> Which the assumption, they assume he dies in space because yes. that's what were they were all doing. Knowing what we know about Visser, whatever his number is at any point, uh, he is, like, the king of surviving under shitty circumstances yes. right it's it's very moriarty falling sh- like, yeah yeah okay applegate's like oh i can't kill off my big bad just yet <laughs> yeah well also like even if i didn't ass- like even if i didn't know that this was like a prequel to the animorphs mm-hmm. or whatever and i had read hork bajir which i wouldn't have if i was reading these in order but whatever like 
the characterization that we get from him yeah. in that is that he is like cutthroat and willing to do what it takes to survive and willing to do what it takes to climb up the ladder. So like there's not really any tension with like yes. him getting jettisoned into space cuz it's like he's fine. He's going to figure out some way to survive. Maybe he morphs into one of those asteroid right. things. He's just like he's yeah. peak parasite in that you just can't get rid of him, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean I think per- maybe and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but like the other side maybe saved him. Oh much yeah. In the way that the maybe good guy saved Elfangor. Mm, I don't know. Cause we didn't get into it, yeah. but I suspect we might in the other companion novel, Visser. I can't wait for that. I know that one's going to be, so, gonna be choice. so tasty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, they, Elfangor and Lauren go to earth. They spend some years on earth. They, while they were in the time matrix, they both aged up. Um, a few years, I think. Like, Lauren was 18, at least, when she went back to Earth. I, who knows yeah. how old Elfangor is. Well, if he's the same age as Axe, essentially, and this was 21 years before the event in Animorphs, and Axe is, like, definitely not 21 because he was not born at the time. So yeah, he's Andalite-aged teen, essentially. Maybe, some, yeah, maybe an of... older teen, young adult. Yeah, we haven't really gone into the lifespans of Andalites. It seems to be long because Alaren is still around and, like, doing fighting. Like, he hasn't retired, so I don't know. But um, I the they don't directly say it in the book, I but Alfangor chooses to live a human life. So I don't know if he has become a human permanently or if he's just going into the bathroom every two hours to demorph and morph. But And he and Lauren fall in love, they get married, whatever. One day, the Elemis shows up, and he's like, you're not supposed to be here. Um, a lot of the stuff in the timeline is going whack because of what's what what you did, this break you're taking. So we need you to go back to being an Andalite so that the Yerks don't win. Uh, your wife is pregnant with your son, who we know to be Tobias, but I'm going to have to erase her memories of you so that something super awesome can happen in the future. Um, and here, here is that... A, a, a small teaser where you can see your son Tobias meets up with your younger brother Axe, who's not who you've never met, and uh, four other humans, and they change the world or some shit. <laughs> so Alfangor is like, okay, fine, I will go back to being a war prince. I will fight the year because it's my duty, I guess. Bye, Lauren. I'll miss you. And then Elmus is like, okay, cool, um, because you have no way of knowing this. But the war with the Yerks is happening. Wait, no. How, why did I write this the way I did? <laughs> Scratch that. Let me edit this a little bit. <laughs> uh, and the Elmas is like, okay, cool. Also, a uh, bit of a bomb about to drop on you. But the war with the Yerks is happening because the Elmas, we, us guys, are in a war with some big bad evil entity. But that's all you need to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is total bullshit from the Elemist, right? He's trying to play this off like, oh, <laughs> oh, you fucked up by abandoning the war and coming to Earth and you have to go back because destiny. But, like, it seems pretty obvious that they probably put the Time Matrix in their way so that Elfangor would meet Lauren and abandon the war to be with her and thereby produce Tobias. Yeah, yeah. 
would never exist. Yeah. And we know that Tobias is part of their plans because they've talked to Tobias. You're being naughty. It's like, no, you guys set him up to go on this path. You put yeah. that thing yeah. in their path so that the script knob would get it. And then like, then all of this unfolded so that you could have plausible deniability of being like, oh, we didn't send Alfangor to an alternate timeline. He did it himself. Um, well, yeah, but then the book ends. Elfangor goes back to the Andalites. Uh, Visser 32 is now Visser 3. And Alfangor is, he like tells the truth about what happened, but the Andalites are kind of like, mm, yeah, yeah. Kind of the same way that they made Axe take the fall for Elfangor's no-no. So this is the Andalites' whole MO is they do terrible things and then just lie and pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yep, they have their image to preserve, you know? And then Alfangor goes and gets eaten by Visser 3. But, oh, but yeah. oh, he has a conversation. <laughs> I forgot, I totally forgot. But yes, they do have that. He he does talk about this moment where he is reunited, or I guess introduced, because he never really knew Tobias. But he he knows, because I guess he looks so much like Lauren. Um, and he asks Tobias, and he's like, uh, tell me about your mother. And Tobias God. is like, I don't fucking know her. Like, she died. If she ran off or died, I don't know what happened to her. Clearly, she's going to be coming back. I don't know uh-huh. how, but uh-huh. like, mm. The funny thing is, by the time we got to this point in the book, I had legitimately kind of forgotten that Elfango Oh, died. yeah. Well, because you're so wrapped up in yeah. the story. And you're like, yeah, he's a hero. Like, not like, like forget, mm. forget. Like, but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. And then he's, oh. Has that last con- that that is like his last conversation with anyone is Tobias is like yeah I know that girl you likes dead <laughs> yeah it's, it's I'm, I'm unhappy I have a shit life it's so sad but the- and then Alfangor's like yes but I knew that that meant Tobias was strong because he had survived this and I was like all right tell yourself that yeah I guess I guess that's like the lies <laughs> we have to tell ourselves as we lay dying yeah, typical but, like, Andalite behavior right <laughs> <laughs> but um this does get into uh theories which yes, i have two on. one of them is both of them are very low percentages like uh-huh, one is uh-huh. like five percent and the other is like maybe 0.1 percent um the first one the five percent one uh-huh well it, it ties into like a 95 percent one 95 percent sure lauren is gonna come back yeah it's just like marco's mom we didn't see her body hopefully she's not viscer too <laughs> or viscer one it turns out marco's mom is tobias's mom Holy shit! <laughs> They're twins. <laughs> no, it couldn't. That wouldn't make sense. No, I don't think so. This, that no. Anyway, <laughs> but my my prediction was that Lord. This is really more just my fanfic. She like mementoed and put it all back together and was like, "Oh fuck, Elfangor." And has been, like, looking for him ever since and probably, like, got caught by, like, some other aliens. Yes. Or, or, Uh (laughs) or, alternatively, there are some seeds. Hold on. They mentioned in this book, one, the, um, if you travel through Mm Z-space inappropriately, you could end up, like, years ahead of when you'd left. (gasps) Just oh, so like in in that skipped. Christopher Nolan movie. What one is it? The one with Matthew McConaughey. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Two, a huge rift in Z-Space popped up around Earth. 
like directly after Elfangor left. Well, not directly, but like a few years after. And yes. so that's why nobody was messing with Earth for a while. So you think that she... She did it. She, she somehow got like... Got into Z's she, face. Yeah. And she didn't do it good. And she meant to just be like, come right back that afternoon. Oh my God. To that, her baby they've, Tobias. They've already like gone out to Z space and stuff. So there could fully be like an incident where they end up in Z space and come across her. And she's been like trapped in Z space this whole time. Yeah. And she's still like, she's like 24. Yeah. Love it so much. If she's just like, <laughs> I had to find him and I'm still going to find him. And then they have to tell him, tell her that he died. And it'll oh be Oh my God. So and Tobias tragic. has to tell her. Oh my and he's God. like, but this is my uncle Axe. And she's like, oh, uncle Axe. No, ew. <laughs> and she'll call him Elfangor. Anyway, anyway. Oh no, because they look, oh my god, we're writing the saddest Animorphs fan. <laughs> my other, even less likely prediction. Um, yes. Maybe there will be some way for the Elemis to bring Elfangor back. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's his job is not done here. And he'll come back to life somehow and him and Lauren will be together and we'll all be okay. And they'll take care of their baby <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> That would be very good. I don't think it's going to happen. I can't. No. That would be too. That would like, be too much meddling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too Deus Ex Machina. But maybe like at the very end of the series, he'll do it as like a reward for their good behavior. <laughs> He's like, you each get one wish. Yes. Lauren, what is your wish? And Lauren's like, give me my boy back. <laughs> and he's like, which one? <laughs> and she's like, the hot horse alien. <laughs> you fucking know which one. Oh, and then Tobias can be like, I want to just be like a human, but also still have morphing powers. And he's like, okay, done. Uh, Jake will and then be Jake's like, like, I want to be a cockroach. <laughs> Cassie would also be like, oh, uh, yeah, I uh, want to be a cockroach too. A uh, wing? She's like, psych, I want a new car. <laughs> and Rachel's like, Look, my boyfriend's not a bird anymore, so yeah, I guess car's good. Yeah. No, Rachel's like, I wish my parents were still married. Ew, no, I hate it. Gross, Rachel. Stop, Rachel. (laughs) Stop fan fiction, Rachel. (laughs) And then Marco's probably like, I wish my mom wasn't a yerk and was back at home with me. Oh, yeah. Some of them are still probably yerks. Or Mm. she dies in the battle or something, you know? man but then then like axe and uh tobias and lauren are all like fighting over who's gonna wish for elfangor to come back and which of them get to use i want to wish for my dad no 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 they're like well i mean one of us has to wish him back right you're gonna do that right because i mean if you've got it covered i mean i kind of want a car too that that seemed like a really good idea and Axe is like, you guys got the Elfangor thing covered, right? Because I've got a list. Yeah, I wish I had a car that could fit my weird Andalite body. <laughs> I will wish for cinnamon bun. Yes, I just want to eat cinnamon all the time. I wish for a mouth on my Andalite body, please. A dream. <laughs> Axe just wants a mouth. <laughs> But God. then it's like a, a genie monkey's paw situation where he forgot to wish for a tongue. So it's oh like my God, he has super, no taste buds or teeth. Yeah. So he just like he just, he just like gums. Not even gums. Cinnabon. Like lips it to death. Oh, he just it's he just, just like a puppet mouth. Mushes. Oh my God, 
Has he ever tried running on cinnamon rolls? I don't know, because we did get that whole thing in this book where the humans were in the Andalite ship and they had to feed them by giving them, like, smushed up grass. Grass. <laughs> which is gross, but, like... I feel very bad for them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I wonder if uh, an Andalite could eat other things aside from grass through their hooves. It seems like... It seems like it must be... Like, is it is it something that they turn on and off? Because... Otherwise, they would just be, like, licking concrete all the time when they're walking around. <laughs> like, when they're on the ship and stuff. Does that taste Yeah, like, maybe they have to actively bad? think, now it is time to eat. And, like, yeah. little receptors open on their hooves. I Otherwise, guess. everything would just be, like... Really gross. Imagine, like, they accidentally stepped in dog poop or something, like... Do you think they ever accidentally step on each other's hooves? Is that like that too was the intimate? original thing I was gonna say? But I don't think horses can do that. So I like, I think that's very intimate. Though. It would be very like, hard to get into that position. Mm-hmm. Although you know, this book did save us from worrying about how Andalites become intimate because uh, El Sangor becomes human, so we don't have to worry about it. I no, I'm I'm I want to know how Andalites do it. I don't think we can have that discussion in a children's novel. No, I guess not. I'm sure there's fan fiction that answers it for us. I will look it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so serious theories. Let's real no quick. Valuable no What's valuable morph. No valuable morph. Yeah, morbid moment, though. Um, Like all of it, but like that part where... Uh, all right, guys, so this is another one of those times where I just, I don't know. I don't know what my morbid moment was. If I took notes, maybe I could look it up and re-record it, but I, I just didn't. I didn't do that, so here we are. So I had a morbid moment. It was something about taxons eating, probably, because it was gross. That was gross. Didn't like that. How about you? Yeah. Did not like the part where Elfangor was a taxon getting eaten. Oh, also That gross. was disgusting. Both very gross. Yeah, there was, so a, there was a lot go of gore and terrible things in this one. It was... There was a lot of the whole, like, war is terrible, morbid sort of stuff, too, with uh, Aloran and the fact that he had Andalite PTSD, which was sad. Yeah, yeah. But he's Visser 3 now, so... I mean, the fact that, like, Axe didn't kill him, like, makes it even... It's even worse now. When Axe had the chance to kill him, and he mm-hmm. just didn't. I know. Hashtag Alaran did almost nothing wrong. No, no he, he did a lot. Did he a did a lot of things wrong, things. I think. <laughs> he's not a good guy, but you do have to feel sympathy for him at this yeah. point. Well, he's not a good guy because as this book explains, which I think was kind of missing from the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, uh, he is put in a position, uh, like we talked about last week with the possible Dark Jake-ness, uh, that he's put in this position and all Andalites are being put in this position of having to make calls, moral decisions that are impossible to make morally, right? Like, doubt it out. Yes. It's like, morally, I think that we all agree you don't kill innocent civilians, be that like mm-hmm. Yerks who are chilling in a Yerk pool, which maybe not as innocent, or Hork Bajir. But even if that's the morally correct decision, it's a lot more difficult to make when the potential consequences are the lives of the people that you are working with. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that like every civilian, like Yerk civilian can be weaponized very right. easily. So it's like, mm. it's a bit of a sticky wicket as they say yeah yeah they do say that (laughs) oh man 
So next week we are going to be doing the first book in my new horror unit, which is the book Jade Green by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor. And then the week after that, we'll be back with another Animorphs novel, which is Animorphs number 23? Uh, 24, 24, I think. It is it's called uh, Hanging With My Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Uh, the Suspicion. Mm. Cassie has a suspicion. It's that Axe and Tobias are secretly related. Yeah. She's like, mm, I always knew there was something. I mean, like, Cassie is turning into this, like... Therapist? therapist and also like expert on micro expressions he's like i could tell by the way that he lifted his eyebrows that he would kill four humans in 72 hours like it's like what are you cassie that's a superpower what are you doing but anyway that's her now so she could be suspectful of anything in the meantime if you have any uh series theories for us or if you just want to talk about animorphs in general you can tweet at us at shelf cast or email us shelf at gmail.com as always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Because we want you to. <laughs> Straight to the point. <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not, then that's okay because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like in the words of k.a applegate we ran or i ran and lauren rode lightly on my back and my personal note here is still a better love story than twilight minus <laughs> 21 75 75 <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm not an Andalite. I'm not good at math, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry. I just don't... I don't want to say I'm not a math person because then Michael will be like... (laughs) Whatever. Who cares about his life's work? (laughs) Uh...